happening now. We'd like to welcome our viewers from across the United States and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room for March 29th, 2017. My name is Wes Fryer, and I am so delighted to be joined by our educator friends in Maine who are some of the best podcasting pioneers <laughs> out there. So um, I am the director of technology at the Cassidy School, and I have just arrived home, so I got a lot of criticism from Miguel Gulen a few weeks ago when I was in a suit and he didn't feel prepared and he almost, you know, put his avatar up and didn't show himself. So I don't feel, yeah, this is usually we're quite casual here, but sometimes we're, we're early. So I will put, push it up to Cheryl Oaks to introduce herself and then you can toss it to Alice as we get started. All right. Well, I am Cheryl Oaks, and I am in Wells, Maine, recently just returned from Sao Paulo, Brazil, which was very exciting. And I am a high school resource room teacher at Wells High School, and we use a lot of Chromebooks in our school, and the teachers have um, devices from the state of Maine that are in our building, our MacBooks, and um, yeah, I'm going to push us a little further up the coast and have Alice join us. Hi, I'm Alice Barr, uh, high school instructional technology um, at Yarmouth High School. Um, I also went to Sao Paulo, Brazil with Cheryl. Um, I am a, I work mainly in the high school. I work only in the high school, I should say. We've been one-to-one since 2004. We use MacBooks. Um, and I'm also a Google certified innovator. So get to do lots of fun Google things. Awesome. Um, I'm going to pop out the chat and I will put this in the Google Hangout chat. Um, Jamie Camp is live with us in the chat. Oh, room. yay! Hi, Jamie! Jamie. Yes. I would guess that we may be joined by, by Peggy George, maybe. Um, we might be joined. It's a little confusing because our chat in the Hangout is just like the private chat. So what I've been doing is that the link that I just sent you, I open it up in a separate window, which I move over on the side and then make my Google Hangout a little smaller. Okay. So, uh, should we do that too? Hey, Jamie, if you want to, I'll give voice to, uh, whatever, whatever else is, is put there in the chat. So for those of you that may be new to EdTech SR, we are a little over a year old and normally Jason Neifer, yay, Peggy's there too. Uh, Jason Neifer, uh, is out in Missoula, Montana and he and I, our co-hosting and oftentimes it'll be us and sometimes we'll have guests and hey, last time, last time it was just me. So it was a horrible show. <laughs> Don't check out episode 44. But usually what we'll do is talk about uh, recent ed tech news and sort of an educational lens on those articles and things. And so we probably will at least talk about the Google Classroom or not the Google, the, the Apple Classroom 2.0 announcement. We may talk about a few other things, but um, I am just so excited to uh, get to get to catch up with Alice and Cheryl. So we have to talk weather first. Next week, we're hosting over 3,000 students at our school for the 50th annual arts festival for ISAS. And this is um, the whole association of schools in Texas, New Mexico, Arkansas, Oklahoma. 
And the real big thing is we don't want tornadoes, right? Because springtime is here. We just had a big front come through last night. My wife was saying at dinner that we actually had some, some circulation and some clouds near, nearby, but we've had, we almost seem like we went right to summer because we've even been in, in the eighties. Mm. Don't know that we hit 90. Um, but the weather, I think it's, it's cool. That, like it's probably in the fifties right now, but what is it like in Maine? It sounds like winter is still there. <laughs> Well, um, it's still here. It's 34 degrees, which is two degrees above freezing. And tomorrow we're supposed to have a sunny day and in the 50s. But all good things come to an end. And Friday night into Saturday, we're having an April Fool's snowstorm, six to 10 inches on the coast and only two to five inches up in the mountain where all the people really would like it. Alice, what can you tell us about snow in South Portland? Well, I still have a good foot in my yard from it being pushed all from the last two storms. I think we had a good four or five feet of snow overall. It's been really crazy. We are we have had six snow days, which is never since I've been working in Maine have we had six. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yep. That is just crazy. Well, for people who don't know, you all as a state have, have pioneered one-to-one computing and, and lots and lots of innovation. Um, catch us up a little bit. What, what is one-to-one computing and MLTI look like today? And I think it's probably different in your schools because as things went to high school, I know they gave choices and things, but just catch people up a little bit on a brief, you know, where you've been and where you are today with, with one-to-one. Alice, why don't you start? Because you have the model that um, we began with. Okay, so we're finishing MLTI four. <laughs> um, so, mm. so uh, yeah, we've been. Which is a three-year cycle or four-year or what is four that? Four-year cycle. So what happens is we every well, what has historically happened is every four years um, we have had. Um, uh, a lease to own type scenario. So what happens is we pay over four years for sets of laptops. And at the end of that lease, we're able to buy them out um, for a very reasonable price. And in our school, we take those and push them down to the lower grades. So we actually look at laptops for eight-year cycles. So, yeah. Hey, return on investment, Apple hardware. Absolutely. Um, so we're just ending um, a cycle. So we'll be starting a new cycle uh, in the fall. And will you be doing airs with all the plugs or are you, what are you doing? Um, we haven't figured that out yet. Exactly. We are actually going to try to get 11 inch MacBook airs again. Because the kids really like the 11 inches. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they're going to be available because they're not making them anymore. So that's, we're sort of a little stuck. Okay. And, and so you all are in that MLTI cycle and then you have funding for, for your, for the high school and you all were you un- kind of unique in choosing to stick with the laptop and not go iPad at high school. Is that correct. right? Correct. That's correct. So the last, the last time we did this cycle four years ago uh the state had choice for us we could have an ipad 
uh, we could have a MacBook Air or an HP uh, device. And um, so, so what happens is the middle school is completely funded by the state. So all seventh and eighth graders get a device. Um, if you wanted the MacBook Air in this last round, you had to pay a little bit extra for each student. The high schools, however, are uh, all pay. They just get a package. So um, uh, when you, for each laptop, essentially, you're also getting professional development, uh, wireless network, a lot of software. It's a really good deal. So the cost is about $284 per year for four years. Um, but that, and we have all that stuff with it, support, everything else. Wow. So, yeah, it's a pretty good deal. And how about you, Cheryl? What is, what does one to one look like now for Wells? For, for Wells, um, we've done similar things where we've purchased laptops for, uh, teachers through the state program and then we've bought them out and, you know, push them down to the lower grades. Um, the middle school has whatever the state, seventh and eighth graders have whatever the state program is. And our school ended up with iPads. Um, interestingly enough, when they had iPads at the middle school, the middle school teachers really bought into it. And this was after they were in their third cycle and started doing some really creative um projects with iTunes and iMovie that hadn't been done historically in the past. At my high school, um, the teachers were not using the creative tools with the iMac and the i uh, the MacBook Airs and iPads. And so we went with Chromebooks because everything that our school did once we went to a GAF and a Google domain um, everything was online and collaborative. And so we really focused on the collaborative nature of the Google tools where that wasn't possible with um, the Apple tools. So our school went with um, carts. So classrooms have carts of um, Chromebooks and the kids are able to just log on no matter which classroom they're in. So we took a different direction. Um, we heard from our kids that um, they didn't necessarily like the computer they had at school. They may have liked the one that they had at home better, but they will use the um, Chromebooks because they all the tools are there for them to be collaborative and all the teachers use, well, probably 75% use Google Classroom. So we've just really embedded and embraced all the Google tools throughout our high school. Well, fascinating. Um, so I want to ask you about Brazil, but uh, let's hear. You all have already had your spring breaks, I guess. I mean, you had those er earlier. Or? We get two breaks. We have a winter break. That's in December. Then we have another break in February. Plus, we had um, six to ten snow days for most of us in Maine and New Hampshire. Um, and, and then we April still have April 14th. April 14th, we have another week off okay wow however yes. we will be in school till <laughs> june 23rd i think oh school. my god yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah we're done at the end of may so uh, yeah no wow huh okay well that man isn't that interesting alexander our son is at school in colorado and he's home this week for his spring break 
we yeah. were we were off two weeks ago for spring break. So and we went to to California and we're in the Sequoia uh, National Park and there was six feet of snow on the ground oh. we were and we went snowshoeing and we'd never done that before and but we were right there between storms so it got into the fifties um, maybe the low you know sixty but but fifties for sure um, yeah and then. Uh, we we've had to travel to experience winter because we <laughs> we had one blast of ice that was the weekend. The girls are part of a venture scout program. It's a co-ed yep. scouting uh, group, and <laughs> that was it was it's called the Trappers Rendezvous. It's in in January and it's up in Kansas. And anyway, the one kind of a cold blast we had was in. Well, we're actually yeah. not a weather show. In case somebody's <laughs> you know thought that's all we we're going to talk about, but. Uh, I'm so excited to hear about Brazil. So can you all tell us how Carla, uh, is it Arena? Is that how you yeah. yeah. How did, how did this come about and, and what was this? Was it a Google fest in Brazil or more than just Google? Um, let's see. Well, first the story is pretty good about how it came about. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been friends with Carla Arena since 2009. Uh, I think we decided eight. Even. Okay. And so, um, you know, we've seen her in Boston um, when she was up visiting with her sister. So we have had a face to face and we just do a lot of online virtual conversations similar to what we're doing tonight. And um, Peggy's just saying she loves Carla Arena. And Carla sent a message and said, we're having um, Amplifica, which is her... Um, conference that she and Samara put on and she asked if Alice and I would consider coming to that March in March. So Alice and I said, okay. And I said, I would give up a weekend of skiing to go. <laughs> Carla, Carla ended up getting sponsors um, to take care of our travel arrangements and that kind of sealed the deal. So both of Alice and my school system were very generous and gave us an opportunity to present at a Google conference, which it basically was a Google conference, Portuguese strand and an English strand. And Alice and I got to do a presentation together, which, by the way, we rocked. <laughs> and then we each um, did uh, our presentations for the afternoon and then spent three days hanging out with some fabulous Google Portuguese Brazilian educators. Alice, what can you add? Well, I think what's really interesting about this is actually Cheryl co-taught with Carla back in Webheads. And I see that Peggy took, probably was in that class. Yeah. Yeah. So what was so interesting about this is it's this whole, I mean, it's, that that's, you know, nine years ago, look at all the things that have happened, yes. all the connections that are being made. And clearly she was, she would, you know, we talked to her once, I think, on Seedlings at one point. Oh, um, yeah. So it was just really cool for that to kind of come full circle. And yeah. these, there were 400 teachers at this conference and when they do this conference, they don't fool around. <laughs> they had a DJ. They had, uh, this wonderful lunch, um, during, you know, the, during the lunchtime, we were at these great long tables, but they were like 
lined up so you could turn your back, you know, you could turn around 180 degrees and talk to someone behind you. But I think the best part was um, the between the second to last and the last session of the day was a coffee break. They had a DJ and line dancing to get the energy up for the last session. Oh, my gosh. It was the best because they all came back into our sessions and they were just, like, ready to go. And it's 4.30 in the afternoon. And they're just like, let's go. That's awesome. It was awesome. (laughs) The whole thing was just uh, fun and a lot of energy. Um, I think people were just – people were from all over the place, too. It was really amazing. And they were so lovely to us. The other thing that was so cool was we had, we each had a student who was yes. responsible for working with us. So they were bilingual. Um, they were so lovely and they would, um, they helped us set up a breakout EDU. Um, they ran around and got things. They set up the equipment for us. And I think the most amazing part at the end was when uh, Victor says to sh- he sat in on Cheryl's session. And he said, "You have changed my life." <laughs> they yes. were learners too, and it was just yes. oh, the whole thing was just amazing. It was really cool. That is awesome. What kind of a sense did you have of where these teachers are and their schools are with with collaboration, with one to one? Um, with blended learning, did it feel similar to what you all are experiencing at your schools or how is it different? Um, I think that the schools, uh, most of the people came from um, private schools, I would say. Um, Other people, there were special ed teachers, teachers of the deaf, um, you know, very creative teachers who were using all the tools that they can muster in order to um, teach their students. Again, most of the tools that they use come from English language as a, English as a second language. So there are many digital tools way back from the webhead times um, that people are using in their classrooms. I didn't get the sense that their schools were Google domains. That, that has not happened yet. But individual teachers have Google accounts. And so you know, they're really pushing that technology in their buildings. Um, there were 30, 31 to 35 desks in a classroom when we were there. So they're, you know, that's not what happens in Maine. So I know other parts of the U.S. have um, large classes, but this was, the teachers had microphones to teach their class. So yeah. it, they had great technology and great wireless internet at that school. Yeah, it was summer there too, right? It was the first day of fall. Oh, okay. And Zika virus, like <laughs> any worries there? Um, we we saw signs in the airport about it, but um, people aren't. You know, it wasn't the right season at that time, but um, people were not. A year ago, people were very nervous about it, but you know, they they aren't. Connectivity, good, uh, comparable, a little slower. What was that like? Um, Alice? I, I thought I mean, the, the Internet was 
pretty good. I would say most people use mobile devices, uh, phones and things. Um, you know, once in a while we, we dropped, but, um, um, I thought it was pretty reasonable. They were worried, like when they had us prep for the possibility of too many people being on the internet. Mm. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't, I used all my Google stuff. I used my Google presentations and I was able to show all my tools. Um, fine so good deal oh, i just pay i just figured out i could make people moderators in the chat so uh i just made you a moderator alice and see oh. if you can put the okay put that in there and then i'm making i'm making everyone a moderator because <laughs> um, that is kind of a disadvantage oh. of of the uh of the youtube as far as chats but oh i see i see yeah so i think you can probably Oh, but now you're a moderator for the whole channel. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> all right. Just don't delete everything. <laughs> no. I'll well, try uh, did, you all, did you all go to some sessions then that you, you picked some stuff up? And wh were you all the keynotes? We were no. like the spotlights. Yes. Yes. Ignite session. Ignite. That's um, right. Carla had an amazing, yeah. amazing um, keynote. She, Carla did the keynote in English and, um, Samara did the same keynote in Portuguese, excuse me, in Portuguese. Um, at different times, but it was two, time, so two auditoriums. Whoa. This yes. school was incredible. So you chose your language and chose your keynote. Yes. yes. Yeah. Huh? Wow. And was her message, uh, collaboration focused or with the Amplifiki? Does that mean amplify in Portuguese? Is that what? Yeah. Yes. Here, wait, I'm going to get the little, here's the little symbol. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Is it backwards? Yeah. Probably. No, no, it's yeah. actually. No, it's good. Going up right. That looks like a great laptop sticker. It is. It's a nice. Um, um her message, uh, her message is that. Um, you know, you can't wait. We can't wait for things to happen. We have to be the change agent. And when she threw up a picture of the Pope and said, her caption was, the Pope is a hacker. And, and you know, the audience was like a little taken back for a second. And, you know, that she put this positive spin on it saying, no, he's a good hacker. He's, you know, he's making things happen in the church. And, you know, we need to follow his lead. If the Pope can be a hacker, we can be a hacker, too. And the word hacker by popular media has been made negative. But that, that whole thing about, you know, white hat, black hat, you know, are you are you hacking for good and hacking being a DIY maker mentality tinkerer yeah. where you're going to put things together or create something new or, you know, remix and all of that kind of stuff. Steve Wozniak's the hacker, by the way. So mm -hmm. I, that has to be cool. So Recla <laughs> reclaiming that, I think, is a pretty good, important yeah. thing that we still need to do because people are, are, I think, in general, still seeing hacker as the negative, you know, cyber criminal yeah. sort of thing. No, she was talking a lot about disruption and not giving up on your dreams and and exactly what you're saying, hack, hack learning, you know, just change it up, which fed very nicely into our message because mm -hmm. our message was change it up and student purpose. 
So it really, it all fed in together. It was really great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is great. Well, do we want to talk about, uh, talk about a few articles here and then, um, can we, can we add one more thing that we have to, we can add whatever we can, we can talk about Brazil the whole time, actually. So, (laughs) well, um, so when, part of what Alice and I had, we had two hashtags, change it up and student purpose. And in, um, a lot of countries, not the U.S., uh, they, they use an app called WhatsApp as their communication, where as we use Twitter. Um, so Alice and I introduced Twitter to them and we talked about a slow chat. And so we have um, the hashtags. Oh, Alice, can you put that in the chat? Yes. Yeah, the hashtags um, change it up, student purpose. And then we started one for Brazil EDU because we wanted a way for the teachers in Brazil to be able to connect. And, um, you know, WhatsApp is more the app that they use to plan, communicate. And we thought that Twitter, you know, might be the app that they use to collaborate. Well, it's more inside sharing versus outside, right? Isn't it a, cl- a specified group? So it's not where you're like publicly yes. sharing with WhatsApp. You're right. defined, a defined group. Yeah, you group. can share with up to 256 people okay. in WhatsApp. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, Alice and I started that and as part of um, paying it forward, we are going to offer up a slow chat question every two weeks for um, Brazil EDU. And, um, of course, when we posted it, you know, the folks in the U.S. immediately started talking about what their ideas or activities were for um, global you know, global education and how to promote that. Um, but we're hoping that over the next month we'll get some Brazilian educators to make connections. Now, I know Participate Learning is a website that Peggy is is a big advocate for in terms of slow chats. Is that, do you use that for the slow chat or how, how do you approach the slow chat? Is there a tool or just regular Twitter? Uh, we're just using regular Twitter. Okay. And, we, you know, we've explained, we haven't got a, a placeholder for it yet. We don't know if we're just going to have it be off Amplifica Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, we want it to be self-sustaining, so we don't really want to make it and then have to own it, so to speak. Right. right. Excellent. And Peggy's saying participate is the very best way to do a slow chat, so... Oh, yeah, good. it's a tool that uh, we use with K twelve online, and then I've seen seen other groups, and it's kind of neat as far as far as slow chat, and then also archiving what's going on mm-hmm. with, with Twitter. Chat. Okay, so we can try that. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. new tool. Definitely. Thank you. Yes, yes. So we just wanted to give a big shout out to that, and a big shout out to Carla Arena and all the great stuff that she's doing in Brazil with um, Amplifica and Google and. Um, we met some great British guys that have some new online tools for all the English language learners. Yeah, ELT Jam, right? Yeah, I bet there were some teachers there. I was uh, a year ago in March had a chance to do a, a couple day STEM workshop down in Sao Paulo. And mm-hmm. so there were some teachers from Brasilia that were there, but I'm I am sure some of those same folks. We're there. So Probably. please drop any of those other links into the show notes document as well. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll add those to the, to the, 
to the podcast. Great. So, all right. Well, for those of you that may not know, we'll do a little uh, station identification ad. You can find uh, this episode as well as others on edtechsr.com. We have 32 kilobit audio only versions, which is probably how most folks will, will watch this. We have 28 subscribers on our YouTube channel now, though, so it's growing fast. Um, but uh, these, these videos are archived on YouTube. And we also have them archived on EdTechSR. And uh, usually we've got more links than, than we have time to, to talk about, but you can also go to edtechsr.com slash links, and that's where the Google Doc is where we drop in different links and um, have that as just kind of a, of a running running set of show notes. So anything can else? I pick that? Yeah. I, yes, I just yep. have to say that you are brilliant because, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on at 8 o'clock tonight because – Alice and I will turn into pumpkins at nine o'clock. <laughs> um, we might want to see but, that sometime, but not. This <laughs> um, so we really appreciate you coming on an hour earlier and very clever to have the articles already in the show notes for us and then say that, oh, I need a couple of minutes. And so I read three articles, Wes. That was so clever of you. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, you know, really from K12 online, we've for years used the Google Doc as a running, you know, committee yeah. meeting notes. I mean, I take yeah. that into my face-to-face -face life now with we have a a digital citizenship team uh that yeah. we have been working out. In fact, I think I've met maybe 23 times this year with my coach here. <laughs> wow. And then the and then we've met a few times with with the whole group, but yeah. It just works well to to use it as a running document. Say, hey, if yes. you miss something, you know, we're going to put it in yeah. here. And and then also on the turnaround, you know, I've been I I always think about Bob and you guys and the seedlings and you know the post production and all because this is a very yeah. low edited version, yeah. um, but I'm able to turn it around in about 20 minutes, you know, because we can download the YouTube version, save as an audio, and basically copy and paste from the Google Doc into the show notes. So. Oh my it, gosh. It ends up being um quicker. We we don't have the audio bumpers and we're lacking some of the polish that you know we have in If only uh, Bob was around for that. Because when you introduced the show, I had to remind I was like, Okay, don't say anything yet because he has to have a little bumper there, but <laughs> No, but yeah, no, here it's um I mean, we've debated that and I think maybe in early shows I dabbled with that, but mm -hmm. it's just Unless we make them, we haven't, I don't know that we've had any kind of real glaring, you know, um, things that we need to censor out or whatever, you know, of the, of the episode. We, all, we almost had a barking dog. I was, I was muted, oh. but um, actually, here, we'll have a complete, look at this. Oh, hi, puppies. Hey, look. Hi, puppies. Hi. Our dogs have been shaved, and that's hi, Willow, oh. and then the redheaded one is Scarlet. Puppies. Anyway, they were, I remember you guys would. Alice always had to have her dog bark sometime during the show, right? Yes. Seraphine will bark when my husband comes in from his card game. Right, right. Oh. So, okay. But Any the article I liked a lot, the tech bigwigs know how addictive their products are. Why don't the rest of us? Yeah. Why don't you tell us so that uh, a lot of times on, I mean, usually on the show, we'll kind of go back and forth and we just kind of get through the articles that we can. So uh -huh. what did, what did you think of that one, Alice? This, or uh, Cheryl, that one was, let's see, what was the source on that? It's in Wired. It's in Wired yeah, magazine. March, March and Adam, yep. Adam Alter is the author. I'll stick the um, link in the 
chat. I don't know if it's, even though you're now officially a moderator, I, I don't know that that gives you, um, I don't know what, what authority that gives you because I don't think it let Alice still paste the link. Oh, I don't know. I just, oh. I think, well, I think I did it. If maybe people will see it, but anyways, yeah, fair. um, just let me start with uh, the first the first quote that grabs you. Steve Jobs told the New York Times journalist Nick Bilton that Steve's children had never used the iPad. We limit how much technology our kids use in the home. And then it goes on to, like, many um, really top-notch tech people and how they have similar rules, like no technology for kids during the week, only on the weekends, nothing and no screen time in their bedroom. Um, and after you, you know, kind of have the shock of that and think, Hmm, what, you know, what are they talking about? It's really about addictive behaviors and looking at social media. Oh, behavioral addiction consists of six ingredients compelling goals that are just beyond reach, irresistible and unpredictable positive feedback, a sense of incremental progress and improvement, tasks that become slowly more difficult over time, unresolved tensions that demand resolution, and strong social connections. And so the the main theme here is behavioral addictions are have one of those ingredients, Instagram addictive, because you want to see how many likes you get. Um, gamers play games for days because they just want to complete the mission. And so they talked about the addictions that we recognize, alcoholism, drugs. Um, and then they also compare it to these behavioral addictions and how that's changing our society and how people use technology. And there, at one point they say, you know, it's keep, obviously we want to keep a balance, but the key is understanding why behavioral addictions are like taking over. And I think people respond differently to different stimuli, right? I mean, I've mm -hmm. heard there are some people with gambling that that just becomes a compulsive thing that they can't stop. You know, alcoholism can be that way. I don't mm -hmm. think anybody t tries crack and just does that a little bit. I think there's some things that are, you know, on a different scale than that, but you know, we are probably wired differently. And so the powerful nature of media. And as he talks about in this article, and we've talked about this before on the show, I mean, this is what Silicon Valley folks are paid, you know, umpteen mm -hmm. thousand, whatever plus dollars. I mean, their whole focus is our attention and our eyeballs and trying to get us to, to spend a lot of time, you know, looking at these things. And um, I think it's a little different, Wes, you know, when you think about advertising on the television, you know, that was, in a little box, you know, we sat 12 feet away from it and it told us that we had to have this new car. We had to have Cheetos or Frito Banditos, but it didn't live in our pocket and it didn't live in our hand. And I think that's a, a huge difference. And I don't think it really became so much a part of the, of the thought landscape of where we are, right? Because yeah. kids today, there, there was an interesting article I mentioned last week where we've had, I guess, declining numbers of alcohol and drug abuse. And I think, I think even teen suicide 
and these re researchers are saying this is correlated. It's not causal, but this is happening at the same time smartphones are happening. And it's, you know, there, there, we have cyberbullying, we have negative uses of tech, but we also just have much more social connections. You know, our, our girls are both teenagers now and our son is going to be 20 this year. That's hard to imagine. Um, you know, their ability to connect with their friends. I mean, we, we all grew up where probably you didn't have a phone in your room. And if you did, I mean, my, I think my wife used to have a long cord maybe that she could bring That's it right. to her room sometimes, you know, to close the door. But like being able to have a private phone conversation was kind of rare or non-existent. So, and, and a generation back, you know, my dad grew up in Powell, Wyoming. I think they had like two or three digit phone numbers and, you know, mm -hmm. party lines. I mean, we're, we're very, it, this has changed so quickly and we probably have not fully grasped the psychological power of these devices. Hmm. And when you hear, you know, articles or read articles like this and hear about people making choices like, what? You know, they're not letting their kids have an iPad. How could they do that? I'm at a school yeah. now that's very um, limited in the digital interactive opportunities, you know, that we provide kids, even though we've got BYOD, you know, I, I would say definitely the majority of our high school teachers, you know, pick up all the phones at the beginning of class, put them in a basket. Um, and maybe that's true everywhere. I don't know. Um, at middle school, kids, if they have their phones, they're just supposed to be in their backpack. And we've got six Chromebook carts. But, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not a one-to-one. -one. It's there whenever open it. And so it's interesting to see how we're navigating that and the 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 ethic that we have as a school and then you know possibly that you want to have as a family but there's a mm. there's a lot of stuff in the culture as far as students and even ourselves right i remember um oh who's our friend in palm uh palm beach florida Lee? um yes lee colbert she posted this is a year or so ago you know a little poll how many of you within five minutes of waking up you know are looking yeah. at your twitter yeah. feed or you know get your phone out so yeah 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 what, you, changing. What, what do you think alice is there something well, to this addiction something that stood out for me was was um i think i think a lot about parents and how parents can how their role in some of this is in maybe helping kids use technology appropriately. And something that we've seen sometimes is that um, taking the device away or limiting the hours is difficult and that every family has to set up some system for, uh, for use, but often it's the device gets in the middle between a parent and a child or a teacher and a child also and somehow the the device has this magnetic pull uh to it and so uh, yeah helping i think something we've done is try to help parents see that it's okay to take it away it's okay that you eight o'clock, everything's on the table in the charging position. You're not using it. It's okay to turn the internet off at night if you have to, mm -hmm. you know, right. those kinds of things. That's right. So that's well, I'm thinking about Michael Wesh, the cultural anthropologist mm -hmm. from K-State who's done videos and talking about mediation and how we leave, lead mediated lives. You know, these tools uh, mediate interactions between us. And just like the, 
furniture of the classroom or the, the, the living room or the meeting room, you know, will mediate and affect the kinds of interactions that we have in that space. Um, our interactions are mediated um, in this, you know, and so I, I think there's a lot of important thinking to do around that as well as, you know, give the part you're talking about, Alice, with parents is so key. Helping parents see what's normal, but also have permission to be able to make those kind of decisions that they, you know, particularly, and I'm not going to just try to throw her under the bus, but our youngest daughter, you know, on spring break, uh, we, we talked about maybe having a completely um, disconnected experience and they had satellite internet that we could get like five megabits down over the satellite, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty, pretty impressive for a satellite. But we had some times where we were having, you know, wanting to, we were eating, you know, like, let's put yeah. that down. Oh no, I'm having this, you know, so friend who so-and-so is having a crisis or whatever. And like, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. You know, we don't <laughs> want that to be interfering, you know, with this or, or playing cards or doing something else. I mean, we're definitely guilty of, of lots of screen time as adults, but um, it's it's something that it's going to be enduring, right? This isn't going right. away, right. and we need to think, you know, learn more about the the effects it's having. Be intentional, and um, I, I think also just talking about strategies and because it, it, kids are different, right? Some are going to probably take things to a further extreme than others and, and some might not have a problem, but, but across society, you know, we know these tools, they, they're very powerful. They're being engineered that way, right? They're being right. designed. Yes. In yes. That way. Well, I think, I think, you know, Jamie's saying in the, in the chat, you know, when kids are young, you can, you have the ability to, to sort of limit them. They have to be in a public space. They're not allowed to take them in the bedroom. I think that is such a great, uh, rule. But what I think we've seen is as kids get older, they truly do need to be in their room and quiet and working. And so how do you help parents make that transition of, right, what's what's working yet, you know, kids get distracted too. So two things, one, a shout out to another article, and then a case where I've been having tension in my own life with this, I have to, or my dogs are excited. So if we hear dogs <laughs> fighting, they're really not fighting. They just get excited uh, around each other in the evening when they're not locked in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> I've got as it's, it's link six right now on the show notes. Uh, it's called the man who invented Facebook ad tracking is not sorry. Um, it's the March 22nd, 2017 episode of the note to self podcast. And this mm-hmm. is an interview with a early Facebook employee. His name is Antonio Garcia Matez. And his book is called Chaos Monkeys, Obscene Fortune and, and Random Failure in Silicon Valley. And it is absolutely fascinating because what he talks about, among other things, is how at Facebook they really weren't thinking about the propriety or the morality, the ethics of what they're doing. They're thinking about, can we do this? You know, can we legally get this through? Can we get this through Congress? Uh, or, or will Congress block this? Or, you know, and the rush to, you know, build these things and maybe, maybe break things, but it's, wow. I I don't know. I certainly didn't glimpse the power that Mark Zuckerberg would have over this election, you know, years Mm. ago. I don't know who did Uh, the power of the algorithm. And we have these things called network effects now where the big get bigger, right? So Amazon Mm -hmm. is just going to keep getting bigger and, and so will, will Facebook and so will Google and, and so will Apple So 
that is a fascinating listen. Um, he has had many second thoughts and he left uh, Facebook as a result of those things. But, um, you know, we, we need to be talking about the ethics of technology use in school. And we're developing a, a high school computer science curriculum. And I was, have been able to, to visit several times with our, with our teacher who's doing those coding classes. And I, I hope that we'll have an intercession or some kind of, you know, short session. Some uh, independent schools are doing that. They kind of give you freedom to say, Hey, you know, go co-collaborate with somebody and do a class on something you're passionate about. Vinnie mm-hmm. Rodney did that up in Chicago uh, with mm. tinkering, you know, and, and yep. doing making stuff. And that, you know, just led, led to good things. And I've wanted to do something like that with, with STEM ethics. Um, but the other thought I had is I've had tension recently in meetings where people want me to put my screen away. Um, sometimes it's actually been in Sunday school at church, um, mm-hmm. but other times it's just been at meetings. We had a breakthrough at our last faculty meeting, and I'm very proud. Our headmaster, you know, said, if you're not going to use your device for note taking, please put it away. But, you know, we have the situation with adults where just kind of like the kids put their phones away. Mm-hmm. Where people want to say, no, you, you give me your eyes. You know, right. you can't look right. at that. And it doesn't matter to people in some context, whether you are note taking, sketch noting or whatever. And boy, that really, uh, can chafe me because I'm like, look, buddy, you know, my mind can be all kinds of places when yeah. I'm looking at you, just because I'm looking at you doesn't mean my mind, but there's a visibility to the screen and the distraction. One of our um, local universities, their tech director had been asked to actually install mirrors in the back of the classroom so the teacher <laughs> could know if kids were Facebooking. And they didn't do that, right? Yeah. But yeah. it just shows this tension that we have. And yeah. it's really, I don't know, it's uh, it's it manifests itself in, in different ways. And sometimes we're on the receiving side of that. So what does that feel like if you're a kid, right? Living as yeah, in the right. digital world and then you're walking right. into the classroom where they're saying, you know, put away your screen. Yeah. Nothing good can come out of that screen. So just put it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What to be continued. What are you all doing with digital citizenship, by the way? Are, do you all have, is that, that, I would just guess that's kind of ongoing conversations that you're having with parents. It, are you all doing some initiatives around digital citizenship and vocabulary, you know, as it goes across grade levels and things like that. Um, oh, go ahead, Alice. No, well, we have a unit that we do a unit, a long-term kind of long-term thing. We call it digital discussions. And basically we have these mini modules around privacy, multitasking, um, digital footprint, uh, we're going to add fake news. We have some things to update this year. Uh, all of our ninth graders do it. And so what, what we do is the first unit, everybody does digital footprint. What does it mean? Um, what's the purpose of your digital footprint? How, what does it mean for you to be online? How are you portraying yourself online? In a positive way. We're trying to get them to do a positive right. uh, digital footprint. And then the other sessions they choose and they end up doing four sessions. They're all discuss. They usually have a video or a discussion with them. They're in small groups. And then at the end we do a big project, which I'm pushing next year that they're going to actually make a prof, some kind of profile or, 
or web page or something where they're going to show us who they are kind of thing. Yeah. So, nice. yeah, nice. we're trying to keep the positive spin on it. Yeah, because you yeah. can obviously just go dark and mm. you need to talk about dark, but we shouldn't talk about all dark because then we scare everybody off the Internet right. or else we just inhibit the yeah. conversations. And- right. I can get that link for you, too. You can you're welcome to to borrow egg borrow steel. Good. We don't we don't have anything um, like that right now. So it's just uh, hit or miss in social studies and English classes. We've created a five-year strategic plan for digital citizenship. And, oh, wow. Um, mm. I've actually been iterating around a graphic that just kind of shows the intersections of these different things because it's a big tent. There's, you know, safety and, pri- and there's privacy. There's health and wellness. Mm-hmm. There's parenting. There's um, information literacy. There's copyright. Uh, so, um, and then there's student voice, you know, and, and yeah. advocacy and empowerment. So um, I want to do a, a quick shout out to a few articles and I think we'll do our geeks of the week and probably need to go. Um, it is the top of the hour. We started a few minutes late, but there are some amazing, amazing articles. This one's not online yet and maybe it won't be, but in the April 2017 edition of National Geographic, um, I read this on the iPad, there's an article called Beyond Human and it's about cyborg Neil Harbison. And you can read the Wikipedia article that I'll link um, in the show notes. Neil is the first person globally to be recognized by a government as a cyborg because he was born um, not able to see um, colors. And so he had an implant and has this antenna. In fact, when he had his passport picture, the the, uh, British government said, no, you can't have that. And he said, wait, this is me. You know, this is part of my body. And he got that approved. But it's just fascinating because some of the reading I've been doing about genomics Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one of the, I, we did a shout out for this, uh, this book called the industries of the future, you know, wow. genomics along with, with AI and, and cyber and, and coding and things like that. Good fields for us you know, to encourage students to go into as far as the, the future of those. But, um, we're, I told my son tonight, I mean, I don't know if it's within a hundred years, certainly within 300. I mean, we are going to be a different species mm. because we are going to be, a, you know, affecting and changing our genetics and then, you know, merging with computers. It's definitely the, you know, Star Trek becoming real. Um, something else that's a little bit on that side is a next web article called meet Nadia scarily human chatbot who can read your emotions from the next web on March 24th. And this is an article where they're using the camera, by the way, for the record, this is the first time I've had to take my tape off my webcam. Because I've started I, to watch Mr. Robot, and I heard James Comey, the FBI director, last year say, "Hey, this is real stuff. You know, you should cover your webcams." But anyway, I've actually finally <laughs> done that. Um, but but if your webcam is on and you're using this chatbot, it can it can um, read your facial expressions. And interestingly, I think it's in Utah. I forget what the state is, but uh, some folks who are disabled had such frustrations working through the bureaucracy that they've originally, I think it, maybe it's in Australia. They've created it's a, I this. think New so, Zealand. Was it New Zealand? New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. It's going to help them have a friendlier face, I guess, to the bureaucracy to help them work through their frustration as they as they try to get what they are interested in. And wow. then the last shout out goes to, you know, just this announcement that Apple has a uh, classroom for iPad version 2.0 and you don't have to do everything from your, from your MDM or your mobile manager. And I'm mm-hmm. excited about this. We don't, I'm not sure if they've changed 
how recent or new your iPad has to be to run Classroom. But anyway, certainly that's an exciting uh, announcement, along with less expensive iPads, right? $329 for a 32-gig iPad is exciting news um, for us. And so yeah. those, were, those were some recent announcements. I really like the article about the, um, yeah, about the chat for that, um, that reads your emotions. And I thought it was so clever that they started with people that it was folks applying for disability insurance. And I thought, you know, what a great group to start out with because that robot or that video that you're watching, you could replay over and over again. And that chat robot learns from every interaction. So, you know, people with disabilities were probably using those videos more than once to get the information. So, yep. Yep. Good for them. All right. Well, why don't we do geeks of the week? Alice, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I'd be happy to. Sorry. So my geek of the week is uh, well, I'm I'm very interested in in virtual reality, and I've been doing some things with Google Cardboard, and we uh, actually bought a subscription to ThingLink. So remember ThingLink from years ago, oh, where you gosh. have a picture and you put the dots on, and you could click on the dots, and it could have a video or a. Well, now they have ThingLink VR. And so you can bring your 360 video into ThingLink, put the dots on, and have different clickable interactive things that can happen in that 360-degree picture or video. And then Dan, you put your you put the hotspots inside the video. Yes, yes. <laughs> so one of my teachers actually replicated a field trip that they go on using ThingLink VR. She went out to Portland Headlight. She took 360 videos, and then the kids have to go to different stations. So she replicated that. So the kids clicked on the button. Different information came up. Click on another button. They went to the next station. Right? Really wow. cool. Okay, can you put a link so, to that one that she did in there too? Sure. That and, would be awesome. Because I've got a French I've got a French teacher that's been doing an ePals thing and they've worked on ways they can show kind of where we live and whatever. Wouldn't that just take it to the next level? Yeah. It would. Yeah. So then this teacher, Dan Gallagher, made a breakout EDU in a thing link VR. Oh my god. <laughs> So tell people what that means. So breakout, <laughs> breakout edu. If you are not familiar, if you've ever heard of a breakout room where people get locked in a room and you have to solve the clues to get out, then there's breakout edu where you can have a box with locks on it. You have to solve the clues to break open the box. This is a digital version where you have to solve clues, enter them in a Google form, and when the data is validated, you get your prize. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh my it's gosh. really cool. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how many – so, like, this is parallel universe, right? You're living a few 
stages of development ahead of the rest of us there, Alice, at least. In that <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but wow. I, it's really an interesting when you think about all the VR stuff that's coming out and then, you know, the breakout games are so engaging for kids. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's just fascinating. The holodeck is coming, right? The holodeck right. is here. <laughs> yeah. It's just still yeah. a little blocky in Minecraft, but it's here. All right, Cheryl, how about you? Okay, top so, <laughs> well, I don't know that I can top it, but I'll throw my stuff, well, maybe I can't. So the one thing that I really like in Google Docs are the add-ons that we have now. So you'll notice some of your extensions and um, applications have disappeared, and if you go to your add-ons in Google Docs, you can manage them. And my new favorite is called Revision History Analytics. And so, Wes, I opened it up on your page, your discussion, your EdTech SR, and it shows me that you have made 63% of the total interactions on that page and that 25%, it looks like it's Jason. And then it shows me that Miguel Goulin's made some, Doc Martin, Cheryl Oaks, Eric Langhorne, Jennifer... Uh, Jennifer Carey, Ben Wilkoff. So if you're working with students and you have a collaborative project or you're working with other staff members, you can see the percentage of interactions, edits, and total comments that different people have made. Sweet. Absolutely. And then you've got a couple others, too. Do you want to mention your others? Yep. And my other one is um, Mystery Skype. So Alice and I talked about Mystery Skype when we were in Sao Paulo. And um, Mystery Skype is run through the Microsoft Educators um, website. And you register as a classroom teacher, and then you pick a partner in your time zone or not in your time zone or in the States or internationally. And you're your classes get together at a prearranged time and then with clues, and it sounds like this is scripted, the clues can be scripted. So it's pretty much, you know, it's a cookie cutter. You get involved in Mystery Skype and then you can just cookie cut your way through the whole process. But the one group shares a clue with another group and the other the other classroom looks up the um, information and comes back and says, you know, are you in California no, are you east of the Mississippi, west of the Mississippi? Um, so bringing that to Sao Paulo and talking about that, last night I got an um, email from Roberto, and he wanted to make a connection with some teachers at the elementary school, so we have two or three classrooms that are going to make a connection next week. Awesome. That is cool. Yeah. That yeah. is cool. It's fabulous. All right, and my Geek of the Week is bringing together two of my loves, maps and geography, with Twitter. And it's an app for the fourth-generation Apple TV called Avian, A-V-I-A-N. And it's so cool. You can put in uh, one or more hashtags or user IDs, but hashtags seem to work the best. And then it does a Google Earth you know, type zoom in to where on the planet the IP address that they shared uh, or whatever for that tweet was. And and so and you can have multiple things. And it's basically live. It seems like it goes back 
a few hours. Um, but it's really neat if a Twitter chat is happening, like EdTech After Dark was mm-hmm. happening, I think, Monday, and I wrote a little post that I linked to. I did my first, by the way, screenshots and screen recordings from the Apple TV. So you can take wow. a USB-C cable, um, which plugs in the back of the Apple TV, and then USB into your Mac, and then open up QuickTime Player and say new movie. And just like you do that trick with a phone or an iPad, where you get to show your device locally instead of using AirPlayer or Air Server or Reflector, um, it does that with the Apple TV, and then you can record. So I actually recorded a video of like three minutes or something like that showing what it does. But, you know, at conferences and things like that, we'll see Twitter walls or, you know, things with the yeah. tweets showing. But I just, it, I, I put like, I think digital, digsit for digital citizenship. I put, um, ed tech, um, the, um, GAFE Summit is a pretty good one as far as people around the world doing the, the Google uh, Apps for Education summits. And so it, when you do that, it's nice to use the remote app on your phone so that you can type in those hashtags and not have to do it with the remote control. I would just caution people, of course, if you do this in the classroom, don't use a, oh, you know, very public trending hashtags. You have no control over what's going to be seen and there could easily be something obscene if you're going to do yeah. something that's like mainstream. But, you know, I, I did not see anything inappropriate and it's just so neat and it'll show the picture if somebody shared a picture. The one thing it doesn't let you do is you have to, when you first go to the app, it gives you a shortened URL. You go to a browser on a on a device that you're logged into Twitter, and you authorize it to use your Twitter account. So it's actually going through your Twitter account. It doesn't have any interaction where you could follow somebody or click a link or whatever. But anyway, it's just a really cool way to visualize. And I've always loved Google Maps, right, being able to zoom in yeah. and zoom out and having this idea of a global conversation, right? So that you should mm-hmm. you know, use that for your, your uh, hashtag yeah. for the, the Brazil educators. Cause even in Oklahoma, it's neat seeing this jump around the state, you know, Oh, there's Tammy out in how, and then here's, you know, friends out, out in Clinton and, you know, those kind of things local. So it's neat globally. And then I, I can see that really being neat as you're using hashtags. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's a show we've uh, gone maybe just a few minutes late, but uh, let's just end. What What's next for you all? Summer plans, uh, tech professional development. Uh, are you teaching another class this summer of, of pre-service teachers, Alice, going back to, to those days or what's coming up next for you all for professional learning when it comes to technology? I'm teaching at University of Southern Maine for a week on digital. Well, it's basically it in the cloud. So learning mostly Google tools, which will be really fun. I'm excited to do that. Awesome. And how about you, Cheryl? I haven't committed yet, but I usually do a couple of local Google certified um, innovator uh, sessions. So, Awesome. awesome. Yeah. We're going to go to ISTE and then up to Jackson Hole to do an iPad media camp. And nice. I think I might go to Vietnam in August. I don't have my <gasps> ticket, but I've been invited. Um, it's awesome. You'll love it. I got to write a paper <laughs> in April. This is an academic conference, but I'm willing to do that. So it's yeah. we'll if you go, tell me and I'll tell you some good places to oh, go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The conference is in Hanoi, but then we're staying outside or something. So yeah. Nice. All right. Well, everyone, please, uh, we're, uh, we got to close by telling everyone where you can find us online. So, Cheryl, where can, where can people learn more pearls of wisdom from you? Oh, CherylOaks.com. And find me on Twitter at CherylOaks50 and Google Plus, CherylOaks50 as well. Alice? AliceBar.com. 
Alice Barr on Twitter <laughs> plus Alice Barr on Google Plus. <laughs> there you go. And I'm uh, W Fryer on Twitter and Speed Up Creativity on blogs. And we invite you to subscribe to EdTechSR. Uh, find those links on edtechsr.com or you can search for the EdTech Situation Room in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever pocket casts is what I use or where wherever finer podcasts are curated. So we'd like to thank our live guests, Jamie camp and Peggy George for joining us and invite you all to come back on Wednesday nights. Usually we are here at 9 PM actually central or sorry. Yeah. 9 PM central 8 PM mountain, uh, which is really late for the East coast, but for our East coast friends, we do do accommodations. So we're glad to join early and would love to have a shout out. If you have listened to the show and found anything um, that, will inspire you in your work. So go forth, be secure and safe, and keep (laughs) innovating. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.